Why can't APS just pay teachers more? Can my child really learn in a classroom of 30? Is public education as bad as the media and everyone else says it is? Everyone has an opinion about Albuquerque Public Schools. But where do you go to sort out fact from fiction and rumor? Right here. Welcome to the APS Open Book Podcast with your host, Mark Goodrum. Welcome to episode eight, The Art of Teaching. What makes a good teacher? We have our guests today, Marjorie Krebs, UNM professor from the Department of Teacher Education and Educational Leadership and Policy. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate Glad it. Glad to be here. Thank you. And Jackie Cusimano, E Academy Connect Ed teacher at El Dorado High School. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm so excited about this topic because we've all had great teachers in our lives, and I've never heard, you know, what makes a great teacher. So let's first talk, get to know you a little bit, um, Jackie. Talk about. What in the world is eAcademy and what do, you, what do you do? I am part of the Connect Ed program at eAcademy. They offer three programs, one where it's independent, where you do 100% of your classes online and you have teachers, APS teachers that um, help uh, you with, throughout the courses. They also have Blend Ed where you go into the actual campuses. We have a West Side campus and an East Side campus. And then I'm part of the Connect Ed and we're in the 13 traditional high schools throughout APS. And we are there for the afternoons to help students who have either not been able to take a credit for some reason or need to recover a credit in order to keep them on track for graduation. I see. Okay. Now, you said the afternoon. Uh, there are students starting in the beginning of the school day all the way through, or they all just come in in the afternoon? They only come to the labs in the afternoons for fifth, sixth, and seventh periods, and otherwise they will have face-to-face -face teachers to oh, teach the content areas. Okay. Very good. And Marjorie, you're UNM. Yes. And you see these, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, these students coming in that want to be teachers. Tell Absolutely. us a little bit about this. Yes, I work with students who are interested in being teachers at the undergraduate level and also graduate students coming back for licensure. They've graduated mm -hmm. with a degree in something else and they've decided they want to be teachers. So they come back and work on um, their licensure and a master's degree. Um, I also work with current teachers who are pursuing master's degrees that are teaching in the classroom and they come to school at night to earn their master's degrees. And then actually Jackie is one of my doctoral oh, students. So right. <laughs> I work with our doctoral students as well. Wow, that's exciting. It is. It's great to have so many people interested in continuing their learning about teaching. Well, let's start with that, continuing the learning about teaching. And when we look back on our lives I know I can remember so many teachers that had an impact, changed my life. Mm -hmm. Carol Gavorian, Lily Davis, many others that have passed on and still are here. When you think about good teaching, some of the main ingredients, what do you think they have to have? I would start with caring about the children and the students themselves. You have yeah. to want the best for them and be willing to do anything to meet them where they are to help yeah. them improve mm -hmm. it's not uh, i used to tell my um, future teachers you're not 
teaching English. You're not teaching math. You're teaching children. And then you go from there to meet their needs. So caring and compassion and really a passion for their future. Sometimes you have more passion for their future than they do. And we have to convince them that they do have a great future. So I'd say that's my, my number one quality is caring. You know, it's funny you mention that because I had a saying, I've actually told this to my kids. I guess maybe I shouldn't have said this in the classroom. But I said, when I die, what I want on my stone is he cared. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were like, oh, don't say it. you're going you're to die, you know. <laughs> Jackie, what do you think? I completely agree. I um, Going into the online world, it is my mission to let every single one of my students, even though I don't see them face-to-face, mm. to know how much I care. And I get to see about 105 students face-to-face every single day. Yeah. And... I make it a point to get to know them. I Even when they don't want to get to know me, I want to get to know them. And I cannot believe the response you get from these teenagers who are so used <laughs> to their own technology and their own little right. bubble that when you just ask them a question, even if it's one word, that one word expresses so much. And you can just ask them, what kind of food do you like? Yeah. And that opens up so many opportunities. And just to let them know that you're investing in them, it really makes a difference. And they know, because honestly, Anything that we teach can be found on Google, right. but yeah. they cannot teach, they cannot know what it's like to be cared for and to feel safe. I think safety is another reason or another thing that is important for a teacher because we don't know what these guys are going through, right. but we do know that our classroom might be the one place safe where place they can maybe. just be and be okay with where they're at and not try to change them, but try to let them see their own potential. But caring is number one. Caring is so you know it's such a small word but it's so important because i used to tell the kids that when your parents ground you <laughs> you get in trouble when they're yelling at you when your teacher may raise their voice that shows that they care about you um, but we reality i mean when i thought about this topic for this episode i wanted to keep it real and that is that we know that there are some adults out there in these kids lives that don't care and they know it. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's so important that those good teachers that are out there, they make that connection with the kids, don't you think? Absolutely. And, and that's another core part of being a teacher is not only working to get to know their students, but also to try and get to know their families. Yes. You know, yeah. because teachers really can't do it alone. We need the parents as partners Mm -hmm. in our jobs and we need the parents to feel, for them to feel safe to come to school. Many of our families do not feel safe coming into an institution in these days. And so to reach out to the parents, help them feel that they're partners in education um, and make sure that the students and the parents know how important an education is getting their kids to school just making sure that they're up and out the door and make it to school is um, is really key but the parents and the students have to value that and the teacher really is the link to that Um, the teachers have to reach out to the families and work to get to know those students and that's another connection with a good teacher is making use the word that i really want to grab and that is partner being a partner in the education and in the teaching. Mm-hmm. And when you when I had kids that were giving me trouble in class and I was able to say, you know what, I'm gonna call mom in a minute or dad. And that was like, okay, that was that I knew, okay, I got something here. But mm-hmm. also they were a vested interest in their learning. Now I wanted to ask you, Jackie, before we move on to my notes, 
you you were teaching um, prior to the E Academy. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Traditional classroom, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. And how is it different now? You said you see 150 students. About, about 105. About, a 105, day. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. But a lot of this is still online with the technology. Mm -hmm. We'll get into that in a little bit. But is there a big difference? You know, I find that there's not. Before, I was working with a special education program, and I worked right. in a district program. So my students <laughs> that I taught were all 10 compared to 105. However, the relationships I've made with the parents and the students are I'm becoming just as strong as they are now because I'm, I'm a person who calls a parent even if the student is not misbehaving, I feel it is so important to let them know, hey, right. your students, your kid, your child showed up today. Right. And you know what? They made an effort. And I right. just want you to know that it's exciting yeah. that we're getting, and I would like your support. It's part of a, being a good teacher. Well, <laughs> and, and to let them know, because most of the kids I see face-to-face -face are ones who have failed a class. Right. And so the parents are used to, unfortunately, getting the phone calls and getting the text messages and getting the emails that say, your student's failing, they're doing this, they're doing that. And it's never a positive note. Sure. And actually, through Marjorie's teaching, um, when I got my master's, I realize that connecting to the parents and letting them know that their child is somebody special and somebody right. that you personally invested in, the parents all of a sudden go from this defensive stance right. to a, yes, I really do want them to succeed and let's work together. Right. And so I find that the relationships I'm working a lot harder to build because <laughs> whenever you have a special education student with significant disabilities, you're going to be a lot closer with the families because they're right. going to tell you this time these kids are, you know, on their own for some part and they're in high school, sure. but the parents still want to be connected. And this is one way I can be that connection between Absolutely. them and their kids. So yeah. it's yeah. exciting. I, sure. I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I can feel the energy from you. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's exciting to hear. Marjorie, let's talk about next which caring, I think, is ultimate, but having patience. <laughs> and your students at UNM, you know, a lot of times I'm thinking of my youngest son, Jared, patience wasn't his best virtue, you know? <laughs> and so, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking about, to be totally honest, when I retired, my patients were running low. <laughs> How do you approach that? Well, I think, again, it goes back to knowing your students and what motivates them. Sometimes it is just if a child is struggling, let's say, with a math problem. Mm -hmm. Some students, it's, you know what, you know, I've, I've taught you how to do this. You've done it with me. I'm going to leave you for five minutes, and I want you to see if you can do this next one by yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so some students just need that moment. Other students need some motivation. You know, we've got recess in 15 minutes, so I'm, I'm going to give you these 15 minutes, and then that's when you get that done, then you're going to be joining the kids out at recess. Right. And other students need the challenge. You know, this is fourth grade math. You're only in third grade. Yeah. I bet you can do that. Right. And so, it, again, I believe it goes back to knowing your students and being patient with who they are enough to try different things with different kids. Right. Um, equal is not fair. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know people tend to throw that phrase around, but just think of our own children. My children are now 26 and 30. Right. They came from my family. Mm -hmm. I know exactly <laughs> how they were raised, and I treat both of them differently Absolutely. because they need different motivations and different types of encouragement. Right. And so I think it goes back to that 
taking your time and being patient with yourself as a teacher as well. It's really easy to get down on yourself when you're not seeing that struggling kid have the light bulb turn on that so many right. new teachers say, I want to see the light bulb turn on. Yeah. Sometimes it takes two or three months yeah. for that light bulb to and turn on. And it may on. not be with you. It may be with the next teacher. That's or, right. Or, That's right. There yeah. could be, and, and we don't know what else is going on with that student. So, mm. you know, if they are struggling, then take a step back and try and get behind that. It's not the math problem. Mm -hmm. There's something else that's going on that's keeping, that's having that kid break the pencil and say, I can't do this. Right. It's not the math problem. Yeah. So having a relationship with that student so that they will talk with you about the divorce that's going on at home, or we just had to move here and I didn't want to leave my previous right. home. Right. Just that moment. And we, you mentioned the teachers who had an impact on you, and we don't remember them for teaching us how to do algebra. Yeah, exactly. You know, Absolutely. we remember them for the difference they made of knowing who we are, what motivates us, and encouraging us to be the people yeah. that we turned out to be. And so. also getting you through a period of your time that you, whatever you were going through, Having yeah. someone to turn to beside a parent yeah. um, to yeah. give you a little bit of outside motivation. And kids don't come up to teachers who don't care about them. Absolutely. Patience in, in, in a technical field must be a little bit more difficult, Jackie. It's definitely different. <laughs> um, the problem that I'm struggling with is the program I came from previously. It was completely created by me. I mm. was responsible for, uh, we had a set, we had standards um, for our students and we had to meet those standards through application. And a lot of my students were on life skills and functional skills. Um, now teachers are given a, what we call a canned curriculum. And we're in this day and age where it's the expect expectation. The No Child Left Behind has created these standards that are now, if you ask a teacher to create their own curriculum, mm -hmm. I have never seen such fear in my life, you know, when they're mm -hmm. going, wait, we have to do what? Because it's, it's nice knowing that you can't mess it up because it's set out right for you. The online curriculum is the exact same way. It's all the classes are set up. They have a teacher talking. I have no idea who they are, <laughs> but I'm there. The way I show and with the patients is, I write every single journal that they do. I respond. I give them feedback. And then I write emails to them periodically just to check in. Hey, are you getting this? I noticed that you literally gave me one word answer for a right, five paragraph right. essay. Um, can I help you understand something? Is there something not working? Or are you just trying to get through and you get a whole slew of answers, things like, oh, I'm actually in the CEC doing the EMT program and I don't have time for your class. And I'm going, well, without my class, you're not going to graduate. So maybe we should prioritize. If you need me to meet, there are so many places for you to meet, but you have to make the effort. And I, I really think it's getting the students to invest in whatever the core classes are so that they know that ultimately graduation is the key is the right. goal right. and is having patience with themselves but also if they don't understand asking somebody and whether that be me or somebody else please do so but i feel like my biggest struggle with patience is the students themselves trying to right. just get through because they're already behind and they feel like yeah. we have to race to the, the top clock. and get there exactly yeah. and yeah. it's like hey invest in yourself. It took this long to get here. Now let's, let's move forward because that's all we can do. And even as a parent, I mean, isn't it difficult to, to get the student to have patience with themselves? Yes. I, I think that we have this expectation because, and I, I mean, not, the no child left behind has kind of put everything as the same. And so I think whenever you see a struggle, it is hard for you to understand why is, you know, why are 35 people getting this mm. and I am struggling? Why is this not making sense? And right. 
it wouldn't make sense in the before when we created our curriculum i think we always scaffold and differentiated for certain needs and now when you see the, <laughs> the different curriculums that don't allow for that it, it i think it puts more pressure on the student than it does even the teacher just because it's hard to figure out what exactly are you missing and mm-hmm. um and it's not necessarily it's just probably the way that you're getting the information to you you might learn in a different way so yeah the students do not have patience and I think that has a lot to do with technology too because you have instant gratification now where when you have to work things out that's where I see the most um, frustration by far you know I was as you were talking I was thinking about the in the short time I've been retired the the student has changed so much in four years (laughs) I mean it's Mm -hmm. And just having that technology and communicating, you know, you talk to us old folks and you go, well, you know, dating online and everything and all of this stuff. But that's how people are communicating more by texts and so forth. And now teaching is done through the texting and through Mm -hmm. that kind of uh, uh, connection. And I don't I mean, from the old school, I'm thinking I don't know whether I could be a good teacher that way, although my content area was a little bit different. Um, Speaking of content area, so when you're talking, Marjorie, to the young people coming in to be teachers, now that's obviously a given. They have to have a good sense of their content area. Yes, they, um, they're required to, in elementary teaching, have a teaching field, mm. choose math, science, social studies, or lang- reading language arts, and they take um, additional courses in those areas. But elementary teachers have to have the content in every area. Mm-hmm. And then in secondary, you have an endorsement in a mm. content field. Right. And that is your initial space of confidence to go in knowing you know what to teach and then you're continuing to work on how to teach and how to connect with students but absolutely the content is key that is our job is to help students with their academic achievement there's a lot of other parts to that job personal achievement and being um, well-rounded and being kind caring empathetic people but our number one job is academic achievement and once we get the kids in there to make a good teacher, and I think, you know, caring and patience and all of those we talked about. But for me, I struggled throughout 33 years off and on and went up and down on this. And I've seen it where things were going really good with other teachers. I, I did technology and I got a chance to go into other people's classrooms. Classroom management. Yes. Huge. It is huge. And with our new teachers, I really equate it with learning to drive a car because mm-hmm. you go to driver's ed and you read the book and you listen to the lectures and you take the <laughs> test and you get 100%, maybe 90, right. but you know what those road signs mean. You know yeah. all the rules, right. <laughs> but you still have to get behind the wheel of the car and drive. And it's a very different experience. And you think with every single thing, okay, I need to turn my blinker on. How soon should I turn it on? I need to start braking. It's the same thing when you're in front of a class with classroom management. You may know all the rules. You may have the great little chart up on the board and red, yellow, green. But if you are teaching engaging, meaningful lessons, you typically don't have a lot of classroom management issues. Last, I want to interrupt for a quick minute, if I may. Last week, I had lunch with a bunch of us retired teachers. And I told them, I said I was going to have this podcast. And so Gail Love, one of my great teacher she was a great teacher i said tell me something that you would like me to share that's an ingredients 
And she mentioned inspiring content. Yes. Mm-hmm. And which is related to that classroom management. And I told her for band, if you had music that kids bought into and they loved, mm-hmm. then you didn't have to worry about the kid, you know, chewing his gum or that kid hitting the girl or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the inspiring information for the kids to buy into. And is that difficult, Jackie? I am just keep going back to this technology. How do you do that with a computer? <laughs> I, I don't think it is. I think what new teachers especially struggle with is the confidence. I, um, mm. I feel like our profession has gone through the ringer over and over and over again. And I think the defense of professionalism is something that is something as teachers we have to constantly strive for. We know these, you don't go into teaching without the idea that you're going to, you know, work with little minds, big minds, whatever kind of minds and make the world a better place. Right. You want that. Um, I think the reasoning behind it is there. Um, I think it's just giving the confidence to our teachers going. We actually in my doctoral class um, this weekend, we talked about the difference between engagement and entertainment Mm -hmm. and how we feel now because these students are coming in with, you know, using iPads at age two. Mm -hmm. Now we feel like we have to be a game and entertain them and constantly do these flashing lights. That's not true. I think what we need is to be, like Marjorie said, engaging. And we have to make sure that what we are giving them is actually going to be able to be applied to their Mm -hmm. lives. How do we connect it to them? And I think the number one way of getting classroom management is engagement and making sure that you're connecting the content that you are an expert in. Because you went into this field with a content area knowing that you're an expert. Have Mm -hmm. confidence in your expertise and then give it and share it. Do not hold it back and give that same passion that got you into that to your kids. They deserve it. We deserve it. And otherwise... you don't do that you're going to burn out fast and yeah. i feel like if you are confident in what you're doing and you're engaging your students the like i said the guy that's over there chewing gum or doing right. whatever the rest of the class is the the mass of them if you're engaging they're going to get him yeah. to go and he's going to be the one out <laughs> and not to be sexist boy yeah. or girl um yeah. but you know it, i really feel right. that whenever you're doing your job right. and you're getting the whole thing the kids follow suit and they want to be part of something right. that's making a difference Absolutely. and they know right away if what they're doing is going to be something they're going to take with them yeah. and i mean even at kinder i find that it takes that that just gift of connection and then all right. of a sudden your class classroom works just like that. I mean, it's work, it's hard, but right. it's just show your passion. Don't be afraid to hold it back. You know, it's, on that note though, I wanted to bring this up as well because for the audience listening and watching, for that teacher, and I know there's one out there and I've been there, that you feel you've lost control of that class. Again, I don't want to be pinpointing any particular grade level, but for me, it was always sort of like seventh grade, you know, <laughs> that I had worst. to try to get a hold of. But when you feel like you're, you have to make sure that you're not getting personal with Absolutely. yourself. Don't you fight that? Mm-hmm. And those yes. good teachers that are able to take a breath and stay in control. Mm-hmm. Well, and I believe this is a great time to bring up the importance of principals as instructional leaders it of the building. was on my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Just ahead. because um, teachers do struggle and teachers don't connect with every kid and 
you know, sometimes classes do get on the wrong path. And if you have a principal in your building that you can go to for advice and other teachers as well, but you you know you have the principal's support of, okay, this is what I'm going to try for this group. I've got to remove myself from in front of them for a day or two because it's gotten too difficult. So I'm going to show this instructional video. We're going to watch a video for two days. We're going to have questions to answer. But give yourself a break and break the cycle of the conflict that may have started. And then during that time, pull a couple of those kids aside and say, you know, you're really a leader in this class and use a lot of I statements. I'm seeing some issues between the two of us. And can you tell me what you think is going on? So when you get those leaders in the negative way to side with you in the positive way. I I keep saying it, but it goes back to relationships and, and also valuing your students as human beings and what they can contribute to your class and trusting um, that that relationship will change and build. And of course, and it doesn't always happen. There are some kids that sometimes we just can't reach, but the instructional leader in the building as a principal, the schools tend to reflect the leadership style of their leader and good principals have great schools. Yeah. So I completely agree. A principal can truly make or break a great school in just in the confidence of the teachers and knowing that a teacher can come. I think knowing you, you, somebody has your back is vital to success. I I really do. Now, again, if you are unfortunate and there's a principal that you just do not connect with, I feel like it is a personal responsibility to go find teacher leaders that are going to be there because you need to have somebody else that you can just go to. And um, one thing I do highly recommend is not having somebody just to gripe to. It needs to make you get better because I mean, one of the most toxic environments to me is a teacher's lounge. And you get a lot of teachers that are just tired. And I mean, we can lament for days, but is it productive? Are we trying to change? Because if you're just going to be lamenting about the same thing and not making change, I have no patience for that. I can tell you right now, I have a firm believer that there are too many opportunities, especially in the educational field, that if you are not happy, you should go and find somewhere else because it's not doing you any favors or the students that you're teaching. And though a principal has a huge impact on a school i also feel like i said use your peers i mean they're there for the same reason so really know what you're going through right and and they're they're going to be there nobody wants to have those students that you can't deal with in their classroom so instead work together so that it all works and it's not on an island exactly you're not and if you are that's your own fault and i firmly believe that and but also don't you think that you have to you have to look um take a tip from michael jackson you have to look in the mirror yeah you have to ask yourself, and I've done that I, after every concert, you know, mm-hmm. in, in year, what did I do wrong? What, how did I not make it right for this class, this band, this selection, what have you, and trying to be honest with myself. Mm-hmm. And then I can go to other colleagues and find out what's going on. Before we, we close up, I've, I've got to nail this, though, and that is burnt burnout. I, I, I just want to say this real quick. I knew when I retired, I was on the podium, and I can feel my patience starting to go away. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. things that I was dealing with for 33 years were starting to gnaw at me a little bit more. And I wanted to end closer. So talk a little bit. How does that teacher keep from getting to that point of burnout? That's a great question. And it happens for teachers at different levels. Sometimes it's even five years and they're done. And sometimes with you, it's, it's 33. But I think it's 
that reflective practice that you mentioned, when we stop and think about what we're doing and, and begin to make a change so we can be better, then I think that gets us past the burnout. Yeah. Just because we, we get reignited in, you know, that's a good plan, I'm gonna try this next time, and you get excited about the next thing or the next year or trying something new or different. Right. And I think when teachers get tired of trying new things and they keep recycling the old things and they keep not working, I think that leads to the downward spiral rather than, as you mentioned, reflecting, figuring out what you can Staying do better. Fresh. And then trying something new. Yeah. Um, I work with our graduate students and teach project-based service learning, and many teachers have never been taught that way, so they don't know what it looks like. But taking the curriculum and applying it to a problem in your community, mm -hmm. that seems to bring teachers out of that, I'm teaching the same old thing and chapter, because every time you do that, the answers are different. Yeah. And so that's one strategy that sometimes keeps teachers going. But I think you have to find it within yourself. and. I, you know, I applaud you for being realistic with yourself. Mm. And I really have a hard time with teachers that say, oh, I only have, you know, seven years and 68 days to go. <laughs> I cannot take that. Right. Um, I right. actually had to stop and think this morning, how many years had I been teaching? Right. It's 39 years, yeah. which yeah. is pretty amazing because I really don't feel older than 35. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I, I can't either. imagine doing anything else. Sure. But if Absolutely. that's not you, then own it. Right. and move on and find your joy somewhere else right. because our careers don't have to define our joy right. but if they're not a little part of it then we're on the wrong path absolutely i completely agree i think the biggest thing like marjorie t um, touched upon i got my master's my first year of teaching in reflective practice which didn't make much sense but it has kept me fueled for constantly wanting more mm -hmm. and so here i am now in a doctoral program and i'm in my 10th year of teaching and I can't see myself anywhere else. And I am excited. Every day it's exciting. And I, I truly feel that if you're not happy where you're at, like I said earlier, there are right. so many opportunities within the field. Find your gifts and right. mm -hmm. always keep on learning. It's funny. As go. teachers, I feel like we think, oh, we got our degree. We're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know so many people that stay placid and same. Right. All the t it makes me crazy. And yeah. I'm going, why? When especially now with technology, with right. the opportunities, you can go and learn anything you want and, and the schools provide us a computer to do so yeah, i mean this is yeah. amazing and instead of getting bored or getting burned out my gosh yeah. open up your world and i feel like a lot of people are just okay with being okay yeah. and i just oh it just bothers me because we wouldn't be okay with our children being just okay right. we want them to thrive we want them to be amazing i think it's a responsibility of a teacher to do the same and keep themselves keep them in this profession because it's so important and the kids notice right. i want my <laughs> students to leave my classroom going you know what maybe i could be a teacher mm -hmm. and because i have fun every day i don't know i i make it a point if i get bored <laughs> it's not well I, I don't idle well at all and so I, I don't ever allow myself to get so if I even feel like I could be bored I have three books in my bag at any given time yeah. where I'm gonna get something going yeah. and I, I feel like it keeps me fresh and relevant but at the same time it allows my brain to never stop and yeah. I, I just mm -hmm. feel like yeah. we all have this opportunity don't be as crazy as I am but by all means keep it keep That's it right. new find something that you can teach and be passionate about and then use your content to let that show but I, I think that teacher burnout is just because you haven't found your passion yet right. and and letting the bigger things that you can't control 
overtake your joy because really if you cool. realize that your classroom is where you're gonna we're gonna show it mm-hmm. it's gonna make all the difference i there's no reason to give up because don't give up on yourself you, you'll find something right. new something will work i can feel the energy <laughs> you gotta stay close to people that have the energy yeah, and still I, have the light that burning. Too. <laughs> i want to thank you both so much for being here uh, great discussion we have great teachers in aps god bless them and we need more we teachers. Do need That's more. your job. Absolutely. I'm working you know, on it. Yeah, <laughs> crack the whip. You know. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you very God much. bless you. And um, we want to thank the APS Communications Office for uh, allowing us this time. K A N W, giving us a studio. Daniel, that does the video for YouTube. And of course, Kevin working the magic for us. Thank you so much. I want to be just like these guys when I grow up. <laughs> God bless. Come back next month. We'll be having another episode. And until then, always keep smiling. This podcast is produced by Albuquerque Public Schools and KANW Public Radio. Special thanks to KANW Program Director Kevin Otero. Stay tuned for more meaningful conversation in the months ahead.